Testing one, two, three, one, two, three, testing. I'm Ben McAdams, and I represent Utah's 4th Congressional District. Before I was elected last November, I was the mayor of Salt Lake County. It's my belief that Washington might work better if we thought about governing the country the way mayors approach leading their communities. In this podcast, I'm hoping to show you what being a member of Congress is really like and whether it's possible to run this country the way we run our local governments. Welcome to Washington. I'm here with Anthony Gonzalez representing Ohio's 16th district, Republican colleague of mine in the Problem Solvers Caucus, and we just spent the day uh, in uh, Texas on the Mexico border touring some of the facilities. So I wanted to give Anthony a chance to talk about some of your observations. Well, honored to be on the podcast, first of all. Um, so I think the, the, the main observations for me, number one, um, the problem down at the southern border, which I, I believe is a crisis in so many ways, uh, was created by Congress, um, and, and Congress alone can fix it. Um, and so uh, that came through loud and clear from talking to Border Patrol agents themselves and hearing about you know what's creating the biggest stresses in the system, uh, which is really just over overtaxed at the moment, um, and uh, and also uh, just knowing what the laws are on the books. Um, the second big observation is the people that we have down on the border, um, the Border Patrol agents, the HHS teams, um, everybody who's trying to implement the policies that we've enacted. Um, they're good people. They're good people who are working incredibly hard, um, who love their jobs, uh, but are being put in an impossible situation right now. Um, and so those were the, the two big um, big takeaways for me. And then the third one was that uh, the group down here uh, is a, uh, of congressional members um, is an inspiring group that I'm proud to be a part of, that I think if anybody can, can solve this challenge, uh, I think it's this group. So I'm just really pleased to be here. So tell us a little bit what the problem solvers are, because I've never talked about this on my podcast before. Talk about the problem solvers. Sure. So the problem solvers uh, is a group, a bipartisan group of Republicans and Democrats. There are twenty, I believe, twenty-four Republicans and twenty-four Democrats. You go in sort of Noah's Ark style, um, two by two, and uh, our group is designed, as the name suggests, uh, to tackle the really big problems, the intractable problems, and to work on them in a in a truly bipartisan way. Ninety-five um, percent of what we do in Congress is not done. Uh, in a structured bipartisan way from a policy standpoint it's usually you know you're in your committees with your your republicans or your democrats working on your policies kind of in your silos and then you you bring them to the to the floor to the committee or whatever it is um, and, and you have those battles this one from the beginning is about starting from a place of bipartisanship and so the structure itself uh, leads itself to some nice solutions like um, the humanitarian bill that was just passed that was passed primarily uh, because of the Problem Solvers Caucus, in particular because the Democratic members of the Problem Solvers Caucus, um, Ben, you being one, of course, um, kind of bowed up and said, hey, to, to House leadership, uh, you know, we, we want to go forward with this, and that's why it got done. It got done because the Problem Solvers stepped in. And so we just came out of a media availability after our day here at the border, and you told a story that I thought was really powerful about some immigrants that you were talking to with Abigail Spanberger. Tell, can you retell that story? Sure. So, uh, so I'm son of Cuban immigrants. My father immigrated here in 1960, and uh, one of the things we heard from the agents was that a lot of the 
folks presenting themselves uh, at the port of entry for asylum are in fact Cubans, um, which obviously resonated with me. And um, so Abigail and I were talking to a group um, that was uh, being held as they were waiting to be processed. And uh, it was a group of, I think, maybe five or six Cuban women. And we asked the one, um, you know, what she, what she was hoping to do. And she said, I want to go find my mom. Um, and we said, oh, when was the last time you saw her? She said it was four years ago, and she started crying. And it really brought me back to my childhood because uh, as a kid, uh, we had, at various points in my life, um, different relatives of ours uh, who would stay with us and live with us after coming from Cuba, after immigrating from Cuba. They'd go through the process, they'd get here legally, um, and then they'd come live with us. And um, when I saw that woman crying there, thinking about her mother, I, I saw the face of my cousins, I saw the face of my aunts and uncles, I saw the faces of the people uh, who I grew up as a kid, um, not knowing exactly how they got to my house, but just knowing that, that they were family and I loved them and we had these great great relationships that carry on to this day. Um, and so that was incredibly powerful for me because I, I just couldn't help but see members of my own family when I looked in her eyes and saw the tears running down her face. All right, well, thank you, Anthony. We apologize for the background noise. We're on a bus. We're about to go uh, wrap up a very long day and go out to dinner and, and maybe try and talk about some, some solutions that we might hope to come together on. It'll be a long process, but thank you. I'm going to go and find somebody else on the bus who will tell us a little bit about their story. I'm talking with my colleague Tom Reed, also another member of the Problem Solvers Caucus, who spent the day with us uh, here in uh, McAllen, Texas, looking at some of the uh, things on the border. And Tom, tell me, tell us your observation. Tell the people of Utah. Well, well, first of all, Ben, thank you so much uh, for joining us here and being part of this with me and the Problem Solvers Caucus. Um, you know, I think we are the beacon of hope uh, to solve this problem that we saw today, which was represented by humanity uh, caught up in a crisis. What you saw today were real human beings who, because of the failures of leadership in Washington, D.C., and the political gridlock, have created a situation where you got law enforcement agents suffering and doing things that they're not trained to do or be re- are responsible to do. And then you got you got men and women and children uh, that are you know going through a, a process of a broken immigration system that puts them in uh, a situation that, to me and humanity, uh, you, you can't help but uh, respond to emotionally. So we're going to solve this, but we're going to solve it together. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. You were talking, we were talking privately, and if you don't want to share this, that's okay, but talking about how difficult it is in the Washington climate, where a lot of times party loyalty is rewarded above all else, and and what we're doing as problem solvers really sometimes will co- come at a cost, has come at a cost to your political career. I'm only six months in, so I don't know that I can say that. But um, do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, what Washington, D.C. is wired right now is to respond to the extremism on both sides of the party, and it's uh, wired to reward kind of the get along, go along to get along, or get along to go along type of mentality that rewards that uh, herd uh, atmosphere. And what we represent is, you know, a new way of doing things uh, that I think is really responsive to the silent voice of, of the majority of Americans that say, you know what, we're proud Republicans, we're proud Democrats, you know, let's, but, but at the end of the day, we're Americans. And what you saw today, uh, where we were in these facilities, is that the American dream still drives people to come here and want to come here. And we owe it to them and to future generations of Americans to say, you know what, I'm a very proud Republican, and I know you're a very proud Democrat. But at the end of the day, 
we can stay in a room and respect each other and not play partisan politics 24-7. And, you know, my senior senator was here today, and I, I will just tell you. And that is? That's uh, Ch- Senator Chuck Schumer. And uh, he toured the exact same facilities we did. And, and I just got to tell you, yeah, rather than use the moment to bring people together to solve the problem, uh, it was, in my humble opinion, disappointing to hear a continuation of that partisan divide rhetoric. That's not going to take care of these people. They're not going to take care of these border agents. They're doing great work here at the border. And uh, we should just set that aside. And that's what we're going to do. And in private, we were talking about that. Uh, I was disappointed as well at just the ratcheting up the rhetoric rather than looking to problem solve. Um, last question. Uh, any experiences from today that were moving or insightful to you? Yeah. Now, hey, when we walked down to the Rio Grande uh, River and, and talking to that uh, um, border agent who discovered those bodies or team discovered those bodies of those three children and that mom, and and to hear how what drove that was a broken system that because of the failure of uh, D.C. to solve this issue and fix this problem, you know, you had three young children die and you had a mom who died with them. And, and you saw a border agent, a, a man who clearly has a multi-decade career, very strong man, but you could tell it, it, it impacted him. And when we asked him how he's doing, uh, how he feels about his job, he just looked at everybody and said, I'm exhausted. That is a career law enforcement man who is a strong man who is just essentially saying to us, come on, guys. you got people on the front line here who are good men and women who want to do the right thing, just fix the problem so that America can be that land of opportunity and also uh, that these officers, uh, get their, have, we have their back rather than trying to, to beat them up. Uh, thank you. Representative Tom Reed, the Republican co-chair of the Problem Solvers Caucus. Thanks thank so you. Much, ben. All right, so I think we have time for one or two more to talk to one or two members of Congress We're, before we get to our restaurant for dinner tonight. So I'm here with Abigail Spanberger representing Virginia's 7th Congressional District. Tell me, you, you've shared some really powerful stories at our media availability. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the day and, and uh, retell some of the, uh, one or two of the stories that you, you shared today. Well, I think there were two stories and, and two moments that really resonated with me. Um, well, three. I'll give you three, Ben. How about that? Um, the first was a really tragic one, and that's when a CBP officer recounted the story. There's, They have put up signs that say which direction uh, the immigrants should go, and there's signs that say, you know, follow the road this way. And when questioned as to why these law enforcement officers were putting out signs directing people how to go, he told the story about a woman and her three children who walked off the roadway and into the brush and died um and he said they had to go and they had to find their bodies and they had to carry them out and the notion that this woman and her three children um traveled to this country ideally full of hope likely escaping uh horrible circumstances back at home and then to die because they got lost on the path um literally that it really struck me i'm a mother i have three small children um and it it was a really resonant story and so that was one of despair but then there were stories of hope um i met this one a group of little girls and one of them i introduced myself i said my name was abigail in spanish is abigail and i told her my name was abigail and she said oh my sister is abigail and then um i talked to the next little girl and her name was hillary in spanish hillary 
And I said, oh my goodness, my sister's name is Hillary, which is true, my sister's name is Hillary. And so, you know, with these little girls, we had this connection just over our names, and they were so gleeful and excited. And then another story was we met a young boy at one of the unaccompanied minors facilities for 13 to, to 18-year-olds. So he was somewhere in that age range, and he had a Rubik's Cube, and he was playing with it. And one of our members, you know, mixed it up for him, really, really mixed it up. And we all stood there as we watched this young boy play with this Rubik's Cube, just full of energy um, and excitement as he was so quickly, just clearly like trying to, you know, beat the clock on it. And he went from this terribly messed up Rubik's Cube to uh, totally solving the puzzle within probably maybe two minutes. And it was just so impressive to see this kid who has faced unimaginable hardship um, is sitting there, you know, we're there, everyone's smiling. And in that moment, it was just so human and it was... uh, it was just such a sweet moment to see this boy who had um, this incredible skill, frankly, but also just, you know, sat there with us uh, sharing this really human moment. Thank you, Abigail Spanberger. We at The Loudmouth Project want to thank Steve Bingham Hawk and the Salt Lake Marathon for supporting the Salt Lake chapter of Team Red, White, and Blue by allowing them to run the marathon course as a relay. Instead of handing off a baton from runner to runner, they pass a flag and they don't leave anyone behind. They collect runners as they navigate the course. And when a team of about 40 runners finally crosses the finish line, it's something special to see. We got the word that you guys were within range, and then all of a sudden, I see this massive blob of red. So Christy, our volunteer director, and Jen, our marketing director, we all run up there to come see them, and it was incredible. I mean, I was looking at everybody. Carter's crying. Jen's crying. (laughs) Everybody's crying. And, uh, And then what was great is the entire event focused back on the finish line at that point. Steve said it was a mission of Team Red, White, and Blue which is to enrich the lives of veterans through physical, social, and service opportunities that moved him to offer the team a -a one-of-a-kind opportunity. I knew we could trust you, and then I knew that whatever you would touch, you you would have. So that was a big part of it. But also, I I love the mission of Team RWB. I wish everybody had a Team RWB, and they can. (laughs) They join because, uh, you know, we all need to be banding together in, in this world that is continually divisive and and rooted in in digital, which is disconnecting us all. The Salt Lake Marathon is the largest team event Team Red, White, and Blue offers its members. It's a chance for them to run for those who've served and to honor those lost in service to this country. So to Steve, Salt Lake Marathon, and to all of our veterans, thank you. I'm recording this last segment about a week after the trip to the border. So I've had a chance to, to think about it a little bit, and I wanted to just share two experiences that were moving to me. The first was when we were touring the Central Processing Facility in McAllen, Texas. This was a very crowded facility, had men, women, children, and we saw some pretty difficult and, and rough circumstances. But I think the worst was a... 10-month-old child who was in this facility being cared for by a member of the Coast Guard who had been assigned to the facility to help out in these overwhelming circumstances. And she was caring for this 10-month-old child. The child had been brought to the border 
by another individual who was claiming that it was his child. And then they did a DNA test and uh, determined that there was no blood relation. And at that point, he gave up the child and said that he did have no relation to the child, but uh, was bringing it because they had been told that it was, and in fact, is the reality that it's easier to get across the border if you are in a part of a family unit. And for me, this just encapsulated one big takeaway from the trip, and that is that the situation at the border is compelling from a human perspective and sad from a human perspective, but also incredibly complicated. I don't know what the solutions are, but I know that we cheapen the dialogue by painting in broad brushes and painting with partisan rhetoric. We've got to do a better job of having sincere and authentic dialogue aimed at at problem solving. So the second point was part of the uh, maybe the most productive portion of the trip was after we had gone in a bipartisan delegation to visit these various facilities, we sat down as members of the Problem Solvers Caucus to discuss what we had seen, what some of the solutions might be, what we hope to a- accomplish. And it was a very productive couple of hours as we went back and forth and uh, under- understood each other in a in a deeper, more productive way, not just in a, a partisan way, but in a problem-solving way and that we all wanted to find solutions and that some of the solutions maybe on the surface seem simple but are much more complicated but that we want to change the circumstances there the circumstances of the border we can do better as americans we can do better as a country but that we also have common policy objectives and that that dialogue that sitting down and talking together was incredibly productive and And just one takeaway from me, I don't at this point know what the answers are, but I know that it's not going to be solved by finger pointing and blaming and partisan name calling, that we're going to have to sit together, sit down together. We're going to have to understand each other's goals and objectives better and work in a sincere fashion to try and find solutions. And I think that's not only true for the situation we saw at the border but it's also true for a lot of the other tough, tough and complicated issues we're working to address, whether it's health care reform, uh, the price of prescription drugs, that we need to have more sincere dialogues. When I was mayor, this was how we approached problem solving. We sat down, we understood each other, we respected each other, we respected each other's values and positions, and then we tried to understand and find common ground. And oftentimes we did find common ground. And so just an observation is that Congress has far too little problem solving and talking and understanding and far too much finger pointing and name calling and partisan drawing partisan lines in the sand. We can do better. We have to do better. And the failure of doing better has human consequences. And we witnessed that firsthand at the border. I want to thank you for listening to Washington. What I'd really love to hear is from you. To follow this journey, subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the KSL Radio app, and anywhere you find interesting podcasts. To be part of this experiment in making the world's most powerful city responsive to citizens, please email me at tips at loudmouthproject.com. We'd like to thank the village that made this podcast possible. Andrea Smartin, Danny Akana, Allison Hayrand, 
and Congressman Ben McAdams. Washington is a production of the Loudmouth Project.